I don't know what those white people in this country feel. I can only include what they feel from the state of their institutions. Now, this is the evidence. You want me to make an act of faith, risking myself, my wife, my woman, my sister, my children, on some idealism which you assure me exists in America, which I have never seen. So today we have a very special guest, Alan Mays, who, Alan, I saw your story that we are about to have the chance to have you share with us. And it was just shocking to me, not only because it's just on the face of it, kind of a shocking story, but because of how much it rhymes with some of the stories that we've already told on the podcast. Like... Some of the stories we told at opening up our redlining episode, we told two stories that, I mean, you could have copied and pasted your story into that episode and Mm. it would have just been another example, but it wasn't happening. Those other stories happened in the 1950s and your story happened just in 2020. So I was shocked that something like this would happen today, but, but also in some ways not surprised because part of what we have discovered through this whole podcast is the enduring nature of racism and how it, it doesn't just go away. It kind of shifts and fills the spaces that it's allowed to fill. And so we want to shine light on your story to expose the racism that you experienced, but also just to show the ways that, that there's still a lot more work to do. And one thing I just want to point out on the front end is that this wasn't an incident that happened just because of one bad actor or one bad apple or one racist person. Like I want to point out to the audience so they can listen as you tell your story that there were a lot of people and institutions that were kind of culpable in what happened to you guys. So having set that up that way, just want to introduce Alan Mays and give you a chance to kind of start maybe before you jump into your story or at least like the story what happened with your home. Could you just introduce yourself, your family, a little bit about just who you are as a person, and then we'll we'll get into your story. Okay. I'm a disabled veteran, right? I served in Iraq, and, uh, and when I was in Germany, I met my wife, Kirsten, there. Prior to going to Iraq, I met her, and then we fell in love, and I went off to war. So when I went off to war, I got blown up by a rocket attack. So when I came back home, I was injured. So I went to the hospitals, and she came over, visited me and everything. So we decided to get married. We got married in 2012, and I had one a stepdaughter at the time. So we got married and everything, and everything was good. So we decided to move back to Tennessee. Well, for me, I was like, well, I don't really want to go back to Tennessee because I've dealt with a lot of things in Tennessee prior. And in Germany, I didn't have some of the stuff like you have in Tennessee, some of the racism and stuff like here. You sort of respect it for who you are, not your skin color. So I was like, I'd probably stay here. But she's like, no, let's go. Let's move. So we found a, a home and we moved to Tennessee. And then once we got there, we started fostering kids. And we ended up adopting four kids uh, from the age of 16 down to age six. That's awesome. Yeah. So once, once we decided to move, we moved, I think, and I don't know if you want me to go ahead and start telling you, but... You know, we moved in like 2015. The army came in and packed all our stuff up. We found a beautiful home. And my aunt was living in this town, small town, Bibles everywhere, flags. I'm like, hey, this is great. You know, they got their flags and Bibles and 
my aunt's there and she's in a wheelchair. I can go take care of her. There's a lake. There's land. I can retire. You know, we'll get some more kids and everything will be great. So within moving in in the first week, we started having problems. I think I was, the first week we were there, I was outside about nine o'clock and the neighbors showed up about nine o'clock at night with some cookies. These two ladies, they showed up. I said, oh, wait a minute. It's nine o'clock at night. Why are you showing up with cookies at nine o'clock at night? Okay. If you're going to come visit, you visit in the daytime, (laughs) right? So when I went around there, they were questioning my wife. Where are y'all from? What are you doing? Okay. What does your husband do? Blah, blah, blah. Just asking questions. So I came over and I was spraying for bugs and I sort of did some sort of mean. I sprayed them with the bug spray. Okay. So they would sort of leave. Right. So I was like, you know, leave, go ahead. You've asked enough questions of my wife. So they left. The following week, I went out with my nephews and somebody was trying to get in the house. They were going around from window to window. My wife was there at home. But my nephew's wife and someone was going from window to window trying to get in. My wife had been in the shower and they were just going window to window trying to get in. But I had a dog and he was watching. So my wife is German. And for Germans, they just don't call the police. In America, we call the police for anything. They don't do that. So she was hesitant to call the police. So Linda calls me. It's like, listen, if somebody's trying to get in the house and your wife is not calling 911, what do you want me to do? So I called the local police. I said, listen, somebody's trying to get in my house, go to my house. So they roll up three, four deep, check out everything. The perpetrator had left. That was the first week or so we'd been there. After that, we started having cars parking in our driveway down at the bottom of the hill, just park and watching the house. So I'd call the police. By the time the police would get there, my driveway is like 75 yards long. So you have to understand it's a long ways from the house to the, to the driveway. I couldn't take any photos. I could only give them a description of the cars. So they would leave and they'd come back. Then I'd have family members come over. They'd come back and then they'd start hollering racial slurs. You know, my family members came over, which were completely black. I'm mixed. And it doesn't matter in the South. If you have one drop of black blood in you, you're black. Mm -hmm. You can look as white as whatever, but you have one. And once they find that out, they know. Okay, and they don't want you there. Yeah, so, so so in the mind of your neighbors, you were black without nuance. They just saw you as black, and they started. And then you had your family yeah. over, and they were uh, just saying racial slurs, and it, they were yeah. like camped out in front of your house, or or where where is this coming from? My driveway is like seventy five yards long, and it's on a cul de sac. And it's the last house when you come around the lake. There was no other houses, so if you came around and came to the cul de sac. I was the only house there. So what do you be doing? So they would park at the end of my driveway and they'd start hollering racial slurs. They would just be screaming and my family members would go outside, right? And was like, what are they doing? You know, so we'd call the police. They'd take off. So, so this how continued many, on to, you know. that I'm just like processing this. So, so there's no other like reason for the cars to be there because they're past all the other houses. So they're there just to basically stake out your house. And and this was yes. something that recurred. This was like not just a one time thing. Continually. Yeah. And and how many cars? How many cars would it be? Oh, it would be one car. It'd be one car. You know, uh, we'd pull up down there, and family members would be over, and they would holler the racial slurs, and then we'd call the police, and they'd take okay, off. Yeah. The police never could find them. Right. At the house coming into my subdivision is one road. 
that leads out to a main highway. So they would get, they would leave my house, go around about a quarter of a mile around the lake and disappear. Where'd they go to? Why do the police can never catch them? Police department's only like four or five minutes away. Why can they never catch these people, right? So we're outside one evening and I had some friends over, Billy and Lisa was over. And down my driveway on the right-hand side, there were some bushes. He said, look, man, there's a guy in your bushes. I said, wait a minute. He said, yeah, there's a guy standing over in your bushes. So then there was a guy standing in my bushes watching my house. So I said, listen, I hollered him. I got a shotgun. So he jumps on his four-wheeler. Now, to understand this, the front of my house is a lake. The right-hand side of my house is properties, but there's no access to that. He was on a four-wheeler and got down in the bushes and was just watching my house. So I told my wife, look, we're going to have to get some security. So we get ADT out there and we get security. But then the problems continued. We, I went out of town and my wife was at home and she started freaking out. She said, something's chasing me. I said, what do you mean, a bug? She said, no, there's something flying in the sky and it's chasing me. So there was a drone. They started flying drones over the house, taking photos, taking pictures. My wife is outside and they were chasing her with a drone. So we called the police over. The police like, yeah, there's a drone. They took the report and everything. So the drone started showing up and this continued. And I had the police out there several times for drones on my property. They would see the drones, but no one ever did anything to stop the The, the police wouldn't like follow the drone and find out, like follow it back to whoever was flying it. And here's the thing I found with the local police. That's very disturbing. I submitted over 29 police reports and not a one report, not a one time they come back out and do any kind of follow-up. Like one time from harassment to dog poisons, to theft of property, to persons inside my homes. I mean, I had people inside my home and I had photos of people inside my house and I took it to the local police department. I said, listen, I've been in Germany. When I was in Germany, my alarm goes off. This is like, December 2019, we're in Germany. I had suspicion that someone was getting in my house. They were getting past ADT security. So whoever was doing this was not on a lower level. The people that were doing this to get past ADT security, you've got to be on a higher level. Uh, Joe Blow, he can't just get past ADT security and show up in your house. So I'm like, there's somebody getting in my house. So I said, I'm going to put some sensors in the stairwells and put a tiny camera in my bedroom and catch somebody if they're in here. About one o'clock at night, my sister called. She said, your alarm is going off at your house and you're getting photos and there's somebody in your bedroom. Somebody's standing in your bedroom. So I said, oh, my goodness. So I go and surely enough, there's somebody standing like in camouflage, tired, standing in my bedroom, open the door up and they're standing in the bedroom. So I said, okay, when I get home, I'll go to the police station and report it. We get home, we park our car. We just got a new car. We parked it. That was on the 3rd of January. We went out the morning of the 4th, and somebody had taken a screwdriver and gone through the keyhole on the driver's side door. They just went straight through the, the key and just tore up the where you put the key in. They just tore all up. So I said, let me go to the police station. So me and my wife head to the police station. We walk inside. We met in the lobby by an officer. What do you need? I said, I need to file a report. I said, I have a photo of somebody in my house. Get better cameras and change your locks. I said, no, no, no. You don't understand. I said, I have a photo. I'm in, I was in Germany and somebody's in my bedroom. 
you don't understand. Get better cameras and change your locks. I said, <laughs> but the cameras already worked. So the cameras already got the photo of the guy. So the cameras, cameras has the photo, right? And my wife's like, sir, are you not going to help us? Ma'am, what do you want me to do? Get better cameras and change your locks. I said, come on, baby, let's go. They don't want to help us. Not at one time that they even, yeah, my buddy works for the police department in Memphis. He said, at least they could have sprinkled some what's this, uh, stuff for your fingerprints, well, the powder, the dust, right? They could have at least dusted for fingerprints or something at your house. He said, they didn't even do any of that. He said, I don't understand. He said, they haven't done anything at your house. I mean, I had $30,000 worth of property taken, and they didn't do anything. I mean, it was, it was just crazy. I mean... There was theft from your house at that point or just kind of over time, over the course of time? Or In 2019, we went on Route 66 trip. Prior to going on Route 66, I had ADT come out, change my cameras because the side cameras never worked. Every time I put a new side camera up, it wouldn't work. So they came out and they put a new camera up. The next day I go outside, the camera's cut. It's cut and rewired. The, the splice goes in straight into the camera and... It splices on this side. Well, it was cut on this side and re-spliced. So I called ADT. They said, we'd never do anything like that. I said, well, I got to go on vacation. Fix it when I come back, right? We leave. We're in, I think, Omaha. No, not Omaha, Oklahoma. Get a phone call from ADT. Somebody's in your back garage. We're calling the local police. Local police is uh, on the scene, and they'll call you. Local police calls and says, Mr. Mays, your back garage door is open. I said, okay. Close it. I said, I got both remote controls with me. That shouldn't be open. Close it, please. So they close it. The next day, we get another call from ADT. That garage is open. Police called me. I said, listen, were you not at my house yesterday? Didn't you close the garage? I said, I'm in New Mexico now, right? I know these remote controls don't work from New Mexico. Somebody's in the garage. This happened about 11 times. Garage door open. They close it. Close it. Open so they said, so it's when you like get whoever home, was somebody, doing somebody's... this, whoever was doing this was like, I mean, I, there's no practical reason for a burglar to come 11 times and open your garage door. It was like almost like a way to toy with you or like taunt you while you're away from your home. Every day taunting. they're coming, breaking into your home, opening up your garage door. And the police this whole time are just every time they're, they're not, they're not guarding your house. They're not sending someone like repeated break in day after day after day and they're just doing nothing. They're not setting up their own cameras to try to catch the person. Just complete negligence on the part of the police department to do any yeah. kind of prevention. Even though they're five minutes away. My house is at the last of the of the cove. It's no other it's only one way in. Just stake it out, you know? Watch who's driving up to the house. Yeah, they won't you know? be able they to get away because there's yeah, only one way yeah. out. There's no way to there's no way to go. I mean, so they didn't do any of that. They said, well, file a report. We know stuff has been taken from your garage. I get back, and I think it was $30,000, worth of stuff taken from the garage. They drove my lawnmower. And I get this. They drove my lawnmower down the street, and my neighbor watched them load it up on a truck and take it. I asked my neighbor, did he see anybody at my house? He said, yeah, I seen somebody driving a tractor down the hill, and they loaded up on a car. I said, you knew I wasn't home. Why didn't you call the police? Except that, that was my lawnmower. They stole, I had a zero-turn lawnmower. They stole my lawnmower and loaded it up. No one called the police or anything. It, this, these things continued. I'm asking for help. I'm begging them. I'm reporting everything. 
and not at one time that they render any kind of aid. I mean, not once. I mean, I, I was so confused because I'm like, listen, I've got the reports here. Here's everything in black and white. These things are happening. Dog poisoning. We go, we leave that morning about 8.15. We come back at 8.30. We drop our daughter off for school. Come back home. In the middle of the garage, there's a bag of poison, dog poison, poured in the middle of the garage in a circle. So now that wasn't there when I left. So who was able to get into the house and do that? And uh, it was just a big pile of poison. I called the police and police said, well, that's not our business. We don't handle anything like that. We don't, we have to call it animal control. We don't do anything like that. I'm like, somebody's in my garage and they poured dog poison in my garage. You don't do anything about that? No, we don't handle that. That's So we, we were never able to get any kind of help. Animal control would be if you had a wild dog coming onto your house, but this is somebody breaking into your yeah. garage and sending you a threatening message by pouring poison out in yeah. a way that's like there for you to find to intimidate you. And the police are saying, we don't deal with that. That There was so much, so much strange stuff. The week prior to my house being burnt, my friend that was coming over to take care of my ducks when we were going out of town, he pulls up, he said, man, your screen is cut on the side of your window over here. I said, what do you mean? He said, your window screen is cut. So it was cut at a 90 degree angle, like somebody's trying to come in the window on the side of the house. But the night before, my Great Danes were just freaking out. They were just going nuts like somebody was outside. I said, baby, somebody's outside. So when he came over and identified the screen being cut, that was on a Wednesday prior to my house being burnt. As the screen was cut, he said, yeah, most definitely somebody's trying to get in there. And they put a brick on the windowsill like to break the window, right? So that was on a Wednesday. Now, for two months, I've been smelling poop in my house. I just poop, just an odor of poop. I'm bleaching the floors. I'm putting stuff in the septic tank. I could not find what this odor was. The Friday before I left to go out of town, I open up the utility closet, and I find a stocking full of human feces that's put in the air conditioning unit. Okay, It's put in there. It's laid in there. And that odor is just going through the house. So I take it out. I take photos of it and everything, right? There's no need to be going to the police with it because they're not going to help Yeah, me. what are they going to do? I mean, they've shown themselves to be negligent, if not culpable, if not, like, involved. Yeah, I'm like, they're not going to do anything. So I take photos, and I leave it out on the patio in the house front. So I wasn't able to take it anywhere to have it diagnosed. But, you know, that was just some of the other things that was happening that was so strange at the house. I mean, I don't know if you all understand, when you put a stocking or fish, a dead animal in somebody's house, that is a sign that you want them out of that area, okay? You don't want them. You're stinking up our community. We don't want you here. They'll take a fish and put it in your house somewhere and hide it, or they'll take some poop. I've heard other people talk about how they put poop on their driveway to move them out of that area. They don't want you there. So we had to poop. Had people in the house, burglar alarm constantly going off. And at this point, the article said your burglar alarm went off a total of 37 times from in between 2020 and 2021. That's just, yeah. I mean, that's like a weekly. We would leave the house and within 10 minutes, just I know somebody that was close, within 10 minutes, the burglar alarm would go off. Now, wait a minute. Why is the alarm going off? Like every 10 minutes after we leave, in 10 minutes, the alarm goes off. So we noticed the neighbors were parking at the cul-de-sac. They were parking. It was the neighbor's cars that were starting to do this. They had got new cars, and they were down watching our house. You'd come outside, 
and they're at, in the cul-de-sac just watching our property, watching, just constantly watching. So this continued on until the burning of the house. And then when CNN came, I said, listen, the people down here watch us. Now, when we come down this road, you're going to notice there's nobody on the road behind us. Watch a car just out of the blue from nowhere up here. So Lisa Ling's like, well, yeah, you know, people say this all the time, but it don't happen. So we got down there. We got out of the cars. We got going up to the house. Here comes the car out of the blue, out of nowhere. Yes. Goes down to the cul-de-sac, starts watching us. Just watching us, seeing what we're doing, right? I'm like, this happens all the time. They've constantly watched us. I mean, we were always under surveillance. Telephones so even if after your house had burned down, they were you had CNN there, and they came and were still watching and trying to intimidate you. Like that's like mm-hmm. just a shocking level of boldness that even with like the media shining a spotlight on what they were doing, they're still just coming and staking you out and trying to intimidate you and maybe even the media at that point. Yeah, they, they were most definitely trying to intimidate and let us know they didn't, they didn't want yeah. us there. It, it, was just, it was just so, so, so surreal and strange, the events that would happen, you know, and how, the, how these people were able to get the information and do the things. That's why I knew it had to be on an upper level. This is not lower level people that's doing this, okay? To get into my cell phones, to hack into my internet. I normally use about 120 gigs a month. We use one terabyte of data in a month. It went all the way up to four terabytes of data in one month. I'm like, what? who's hooked in to my internet? Four terabytes. I'm like, wait a minute. So I reported to Spectrum. Spectrum's like, well, you don't have to pay for it. I said, but who's logged in? So I went and bought. That little thing like it's a bit box and it tells you who's on your internet, right? Yeah. The tech came over. I said, let's turn this on. There's 180 some people logged into my internet. What? How are they logged into my internet, man? What's going on? But I expect you to do a, a investigation. The only thing they did is give you a new router. Give you, and it can constantly would happen over and over. So, it was always strange things happening and, and this it was, on was a level. you were like you had a password on your router so they're like somehow figuring out how to hack <laughs> their way in so that, like some kind of tech they, savvy person is figuring out how to hack into your internet and i don't know what they're doing with it but doing t- four terabytes worth of stuff with it data in one month i mean i was told that what it, what it was they could put a like a tap into the wire over here. And then when you got ready to go in with the internet, it would always, they would always be able to get in and do whatever they wanted to do. I mean, I went through probably 30 routers, at least 30 routers, at least. I'd, I'd, I'd say 30 routers with no problem. It would always constantly, internet slow down, they come back out, change the passwords, somebody's in, in, in the internet again. They hacked past it. My phone calls also was linked into my internet we would talk on the telephone you hang up and the phone call would repeat itself okay it would just it would the conversation would repeat itself while you're talking and when you hang up it's just start you playing. hear like an echo like, like an echo or like the whole well, thing no, you hear your conversation you hear your whole conversation again okay your whole conversation would be repeated I'm like my wife first told me about it she's talking to her mother from germany and she's like listen the whole conversation is repeated. 
so, so just to make sure I, I understand that, so so it's like you talk on the phone and then the other line hangs up and then you start hearing the beginning of the conversation play through you hear the conversation playing through yes so almost like it, it had been recorded through. somehow that they had figured out a way to record your conversation mm-hmm. And then after the recording's done, you like after the call's done, then you just start hearing the recording play. You start hearing playing that back. Is, you hear your conversation. I'm like, it was creepy. Yeah. It was creepy. Okay, we would have uh, phone calls. Like I'd be in Germany, and I'd check my history of my phone, and my phone from my house would be making phone calls. I'm like, wait a minute, I'm out of town. I'm in Germany. How is my phone making phone calls? So he said, well, you know, you could get a, what is it called when, what's it called when somebody can take over your phone? Ghosting. Uh, it's like, like a phone equivalent of a VPN type of thing. It's someone just. Well, yeah, it's what well, they take. They can take your phone number and they can use it and call people and everything. So I said, okay, we get a new phone number. I changed phone numbers about six times. And it would continue to go on. I mean, there was so much just. I mean, I can't imagine I mean, the, the amount of like technical savvy that somebody would have to do all that would, I would think, make a pretty narrow list of suspects in a small town that if the police actually had any concern to find out who's doing this to you, it seems like like there can't be that many people who, who can do something like that. When you're in the South and you have a the good old boy network, right? Mm-hmm. They cover each other and they take care of each other and it's on a level... A higher level. When you go back and look at civil rights from the early 1950s and you see how Mega Evers was killed, how he was gunned down, the local authorities did not let any of that information get out to the federals. They covered up for it, okay? They covered, and that, and finally, 30 years later, they prosecuted, but, you know, for the longest, the local authorities, they have the ability to not let yeah. information get out that needs to get out. In my case, I think when you look at everything, there's a bigger entity here doing some things because mm-hmm. you cannot get past ADT security. I mean, they would hack past my ADT security and walk in my house and I'd change the password over mm-hmm. and over again, right? And they just walk right in my house. My cell phones, they would hack into my cell phones when I went to one of the cell phone carriers and I'm telling them this, they're looking at me like I'm crazy. It's no way possible. So I said, well, look, my phone is showing I'm in Florida right now, flying on an airplane. She said, let me see. She said, oh, my goodness. How's your phone showing you're in flying on an airplane and you're here? So at that point, then they took me serious and they started looking into it. What's going on? Who is able to get into these cell phones? I mean, my phone would call people every day. It would call my wife and my daughter. And I'm like, wait a minute. My wife's in the same house with me. Why do I need to call her 37 times a day? Who's calling? What are they using? What are they doing? The fire that night happened at 1230. Very strange because they called me and said, Mr. Major, you have a smoke detector going off. I said, okay. Call the fire department. It might be a false alert. Call the fire department. That's 1230. For 1233, smoke detector's in trouble. So for a smoke detector gets in trouble, it's smelling smoke. It ain't got flames yet. It's smelling the smoke. So... 1241, 911 call says the fire department has been dispatched. Uh, a neighbor that was walking in front of your lake. That I don't know why the neighbor's walking at 1230 at night in front of my house. There's no other houses out there. So seeing flames coming from your house. So then this is where it really gets good. The local news reporter has a photo of my house at approximately 1230 a.m. 
This local news reporter has gotten up at 12.30. He's at my house, has photos of my house burning at 12.30. He's set up across the lake. He's got there before 911 is called. He's got there before ADT is called. And he's already set up and got photos of my house burning. Wow. So Who told him to come to my house? So he was like staked out and ready to catch your fire of your house burning down to public to p- publicize it in the local media to publicize it in the local media how is it 12:30 he's already at my house because he has to drive across town let's say well he got the alarm well how can you get an alarm before the alarm goes out how is he even getting the alarm the smoke detector ADT that's why, how did you even get the alarm the fire department was dispatched at like 12:40 so how did you get an alarm at 12.30, you had to get it at 12.20 because you had to drive to my house. You know, so then when you look at the photo of the of the house, you see three balls of fire. You see a ball of fire at the bottom of the driveway, the middle of the driveway, and a big ball of fire on the house burning. Okay, it's like a big explosion. So I asked the TBI, listen, some people have called us and told us there was a blast at our house. Was there any blast? No, no, no. That was just wood you heard crackling. I said, well, I've heard several people call us this morning and tell us they had explosions, and then they heard the police sirens and the fire department headed to our house. No, no, that was just wood crackling. I said, I don't believe that's what happened. But they said, well, Mr. Mays, the lady that lived close to you, their dog smelled smoke. The closest house to me is a quarter of a mile away. The dog smelled smoke. And they went up, scratching at the door, and they went outside, and they saw your house burning. I said, that's not what you all told me. And I'm military. When you tell me one thing, I stand on it, okay? You said a lady was walking in front of my house. Which one is it? So the TBI agent, his name was Tracy Worlds. The fire chief's name was Tracy Worlds also, okay? So they're connected. Some blood going on there. Mm. So the fire report states when they got to my house, there was no viable water source. That's the first thing they said, no viable water source. Now, I have a lake in front of my house. So you, every fire department can pump from a lake, okay? They have the capabilities. Then they said the wind direction was so bad, they had to park 300 feet away. Then you said you start shuttling water from departments because no viable water source. Then you said there was graffiti painted on the pool house wall and only cosmetic damage done to the cars. Well, now we go back and revisit that. To have a house, you have to have a fire hydrant within X amount of distance for insurance purposes and everything. So when you come into my subdivision, there's a fire hydrant on the right-hand side. They pass right by the fire hydrant. It was a blue-coated fire hydrant. They never tapped into it at all. Didn't try to. I asked my buddy that's a fire chief for 30 years about the lake. He said, they have the capabilities of pumping out of a lake. Said So they could have pumped out of the lake. He said, but I don't know why they didn't use the fire hydrant. So then they said the wind direction was so bad, I got a copy of the weather report. From the, I paid 170 bucks for this weather report. It says it was calm, still, no movement whatsoever. No movement. Wow. There's no movement till 4 o'clock in the morning. Then the graffiti, when you, he wrote up graffiti on the pool house wall, when you write graffiti, you're not going to go after an interracial thing or a racial slur because you wrote graffiti. Graffiti would be somebody drawing on it. It's a racial slur. It says a nigger lover was written on the pool house wall. That's not a, that's not graffiti. Yeah. Then he said the cars only receive cosmetic damage. The whole front of the car is burnt. 
One of them's completely roasted, and the other one, the front of it's completely burnt off. So I said, why is he writing this report up the way he wrote it? Why didn't they use the water supply? Because they didn't want to put my house out. They didn't want to. I mean, they just let it burn. I mean, they put no water on my house. They got there. They said they, they got said there the fire and they just watched it burn trucks down. Were not able. They, they what? I said the fire trucks were not able to pull the grade on the hill coming to my house. What kind of fire trucks do you have? They can't go up a. I have a small incline. It's not a. It's not a going up steep hill. It's maybe a, a ten degree hill. Maybe I don't know. It's maybe not even that much. It's not that much of an incline. Why could you not go up there? So they said they shoveling water back and forth five miles away. And the city of Ripley is only a mile away. But they shoveled water from five miles away to put on my house. I'm like, what really happened here? So when I ask about it, nobody wants to tell me. I said, why didn't you use the fire hydrant? You passed by it. Every fire engine that came in there, you passed by it. They never used it. They never tapped into it. They let it burn. So then the police report, I said, let me get a police report for my house that burnt. There's no police report. Well, you so no even with a racial man. slur, at the time that your house burned down, the police didn't file a report. <laughs> they gave me a report in March, and it only said they responded to a, a house call and it had graffiti on the pool house wall. That's all it said. Oh, wow. I think I'm like, I mean, I don't even know what to say. All this sounds so crazy that... It just sounds crazy. Like, I can't imagine that happening, at least in the neighborhood that we live in. I want I know we're kind of near the end here, but I, I kind of am like the justice part of me is like, okay, let's fast forward to the part of the story where the bad guys get caught and we find out hmm. who did all this and then they get in trouble hmm. and then boom, you know what I mean? So like, I'm kind of wondering what did happen? Like what, I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. That all this happened, you had so many police reports. It's like surely something. And, and you say on the, in the CNN article, it said you saved and have like twenty police reports that you filed concerning all this stuff. I have twenty nine police reports. That's the ones I filed. Okay, not the other times I went to the police. Twenty nine records. Yeah, like you have reports, documentation okay? of all the things that you're documentation. The ADT alarm system that was tampered with from the keypads, the cutting of the cameras. I have all that, not what I said, but what ADT mm. technicians said when they came to my house. Tampering of the cameras, the cutting of the cameras, the tampering with the keypads, all that stuff was documented. So when my house burnt and the insurance company got involved, now here's another thing, then the insurance company, I get this attorney from the insurance company and he's racist. I mean, we're doing the EUO and we're talking about measuring a room out. And I'm like, listen, I don't know the size of the room. I said, as a utility closet, where the stocking was at, I don't know, maybe eight by six. I don't, well, you should be able to measure it out. I said, I don't know. I didn't have a tape measure. I'm not a carpenter. I said, the house was a large house. I don't know the size of it. Well, you played basketball, didn't you? Insinuating all black people play basketball, and I should know how to measure, right? Because I play basketball, right? I was like, what does basketball have to do with measuring a room? Well, you, you, should, you should know how to measure. I said, okay. So he was very, very. Wow. Racist doing the interview. And he, he was, was like criticizing me you because you didn't know the exact dimensions of your room, which is like, who does? <laughs> and, and almost like making who that like, like a prequalification for getting help. Uh, yeah, he. We turned all this information over to the insurance company, and they're supposed to do an investigation and determine if they're going to pay your claim after sixty days, right? 
It took 12 months and five days to determine if they were going to pay our claim. They didn't investigate. They didn't go to one witness. I gave them 36 witnesses to go speak with. They didn't talk to one witness. They didn't investigate any of the police reports. They didn't contact ADT. They didn't speak to a soul. They didn't invest. They came back and said, well, we found that in 2001, you had a bad check charge. You falsely, I was falsely accused of passing a bad check. I said, well, first of all, I don't remember that. I said, because I was blown up and I don't have great memory. I said, but let me go get the paperwork. So when I got the paperwork, yeah, I was charged. You're right. Okay. Falsely accused of passing a bad check. I went to court and the judge dismissed it. So that was in 2001. What does that have to do with my house burning in 2023? So they said, they're going to deny my claim because of that. They didn't investigate. They didn't look for anybody else. Not a soul have they gone after. And they just left me hanging, yeah. you know? And that, that was That's other Tennessee that was Farm just, Bureau Insurance did all that. Yeah. Did we ever say what part of Tennessee this is? West Tennessee, Ripley, Tennessee. Ripley, okay. Wow. Yeah. And have you thought about like litigation for any of this? Well, I've got an attorney now, right? Because Farm Bureau... Not only have they denied my claim, now they're saying they're going to pay my mortgage off, but they're going to take my property. Mm. I'm like, wait a minute. What do you mean? Now we're going to take the property. On top of everything, they offered me $40,000. My insurance policy was like $900,000. And the house that I bought, I got a deal on the house, right? It was like 6,000 square feet when I bought it. To rebuild it, it would cost you a ton of money. They said, we'll give you $40,000. And we'll take your land. $40,000. I said, and we'll take your land. And the two cars you have burnt, we're not going to pay you for your two cars. And that's our deal. I said, well, I got an attorney and he's going after him now, right? But I just found it. I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here because there has to be a system in place here that's constantly going against this because this doesn't happen. The insurance, I mean, the mortgage company is like, this isn't normal. What your insurance company is doing, this isn't normal. They don't understand what's going on, what the insurance is trying to do. So I had to get an attorney to fight it. It's really really hard for me because I submitted all the paperwork. I did every interview. I did everything they asked me to do for months, and they never talked to me. They wouldn't give us any kind of support. We asked questions, what's going on? They wouldn't tell us anything that's going on. Then you come back 12 months later, which is supposed to be denied or approved after 60 days, and you say, we're going to deny your claim because of something happened in 2001. So wait a minute. That you already what does that have of? to do with 2023? I've already cleared. This, I had the, the documents. Anything that's, that I talk about, I have documentation that shows. The military teaches CYA, right? So I have documentation that shows that was dismissed, man. That was thrown out. In 2001, the judge immediately dismissed it. That was false. So it was a false a- accusation. It was thrown out. But that's what they want to stand on. And the TBI, they haven't talked to me since April concerning what happened at my house. When they first came to my house, I'll tell you a quick story about what they did. When we first interviewed us, they took us into a room, and I left my cell phone in the car. I, I'm sitting in the room. They leave out. They go out. They get my keys from my wife, and they bring my cell phones in. And they started going through my cell phones. So I guess they thought I was going to freak out. I said, well, listen, you can go through the cell phone. I don't care. I don't have nothing to hide, okay? Go through them. I said, but I need it back in an hour so I can call to get a, 
hotel room for my family for the night, right? So they went through the cell phones and everything. When I got the cell phone back, I couldn't turn it off. So I said, okay, they've done something to the cell phone here, right? So that's fine. Y'all want to play with the cell phones? That's good. So the next day I called him. I said, listen, I had four safes in my house and they had some jewelry in it and they had some documents and some BMW keys, but I had four safes. I said, have y'all seen my safes? Y'all are the only people on my property. No, no. We haven't seen your safe, but you're not going to be accusing us. You already said I did something to your cell phone. You're not going to be accusing us of doing things. I'm like, listen, you're all the only people at my property. Y'all got it taped off. I bought the safe from Walmart. They're fire-resistant safe. But well, that don't mean they're fire-resistant, that they're going to make it through a fire just because Walmart sells them that way. I said, they're selling them as fire-resistant safes. They make it through a fire. Where are my safes? Well, we hadn't seen them. And you're not going to accuse us. I said, okay. The next day, they called me and said, Look on your driveway. We found your safes. I go to my driveway. Uh, you come up the driveway, not where the fire is at in the house, because they were in the house. On the side of the driveway, two of my safes are there, and they've been busted open, and they've gone inside the safes to see what's inside the safes. Then on the other side of the driveway, I had a, two more safes, and they'd taken a hatchet and busted in the back of it. It had jewelry in it, and the back of it was busted open. The metal part was busted open. They put the safes back on the driveway. The safes were in the house. How did you get the safes? Because you said you didn't have the safes. But they had the safes the whole time. I'm like, so at that moment, I had no more trust in the TBI mm -hmm. because you lied to me about yeah. my safes. Why did you take my safes and then and lie? So yeah. it was just, I, I, I don't know, man. And I asked him when they came out to investigate my house, I said, what about that? on the pool house wall. What about that racial slur? What are we going to do about that? Oh, we just want folks on fire right now. I said, okay, but what about that? That's part of the fire. Yeah. What about these reports I have? That's over here? Are y'all going to look into these clue reports? You have for the fire, for like showing motive, showing like narrowing who, who would have done it and why for the sake of time, we're coming towards the end of our time. And I'm trying to think like how to even close an episode like this. So full of tragedy. And I guess the first thing I want to say is just, I'm so sorry. Like yeah. I can imagine like the yeah. anxiety that I would feel knowing that people are coming to my house with my family and my kids around just like fearing for their safety. Like I can't like you look just composed despite the fact that I know that there's got to be just so much weight and anxiety behind all this. I can't imagine like the mental health aspect that like going through this kind of trauma, feeling like the system is like not standing up for you. Like you're doing all the things you're supposed to do. You're documenting everything and there's no help for you that like multiple institutions, the fire department, the police department, TBI, the insurance, like multiple institutions just completely failing you. I just... Is, I'm brokenhearted for, for you and for your family, for your kids. I think you said you moved to Texas. You live in Texas now, right? Yeah. Somebody lives in Texas, yeah. right? We left. The CNN airing of that video was on December the 18th. We left Tennessee, right? Because of fear that something would continue going on because I started having things happen at the new house that we moved to. So we left. I had to pack my family up on a trailer and we left and moved to Texas. I moved 12 hours away. Because of fear of retaliation and things happening. For me, it's very hard to keep my family safe. And I'm always thinking, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? And I don't have any help. That's what the people that are supposed to protect and serve 
completely just let me down. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. So it's so, hard. And then the kids crying, you know, well, can we go home? Is, our, yeah. is this house going to burn? Oh, I mean, I can't imagine like, for your kids going through that. And I'm so glad that they have you guys to, that you're safe and you're able to kind of shepherd them through such a hard thing. So your story is so contradictory to the way that most white people think just where we are at in the fight against racism. Because it's showing in such a like palpable way that there are entire systems. I mean, the the journalist show, I mean, that shows that there's like a ring, a racist circle within your town that like included like journalists, mm-hmm. the police department, multiple neighbors, the I don't probably not ADT, but like the fire department, like just all these different people who are colluding together to either directly threaten or terrorize you guys or or to just be negligent and look the other way and let people let their good old boys friends get away with what they're doing and i think that's just a sobering reminder of the fact that i mean all these people are also voting all these people are also part of like posting online are part of the public discourse are making probably racist decisions in hiring racist decisions in who they promote in their institutions these realities of institutional racism or racism that exists today are just so undeniable in your story. And I hope that for our audience, that's a sobering reminder that we can't just pretend like racism is a thing of the past and like something that's been dealt with and that we have no more responsibility to continue to improve and grow. Because man, your story is just a heartbreaking, like, I just, like Brad said, the justice part of me is like, wants to, wants vengeance for you guys. But then also I just, in that feeling of wanting vengeance and you alluded to your faith earlier. So I'll say, I just pray that God would ultimately find vengeance for you. There's this verse in Revelation about those, some of God's people who are being persecuted. And he he says that he will bring those who are persecuting them Mm -hmm. and they will bow before your feet and see how much I have loved you. And I long for that day when God mm-hmm. makes all things right and new. And when these people who have made, I mean, almost like a full-time job, it sounds like, I mean, I don't know how many hours they put into terrorizing you. It's crazy that they, I mean, what they could have done with all that time if they were actually trying to like be productive. And they, I, I pray that God would vindicate you before them and that they would see how much he has loved you and that that your kids, I, my prayer for your kids would just be that God would somehow heal them from that trauma that you would use you and your wife to to walk with them through that and to just show them that the world can be safe for them that you guys would find a place where you can be safe and also i want to invite our audience to help you guys and to support you how we can i think you have a gofundme is that right yeah if you look up fundraisers by william mays but help army vet Beat hate crime yeah, against and this was your brother family, set okay? this up? Is that? Yeah, my, my brother my brother set it up. Yep, it's under Help Army Vet Beat Hate Crime Against May's Family, okay? And we'll, we'll put a link to that in our show notes also, if you guys yeah, want to look at our show it's notes. There. Yeah. I would just encourage the audience, even if you can just only give a small amount, like that it adds up when multiple people seem to do that. So I hope that we can help you guys get your feet under you. I hope that some of the litigation that you guys, I'm glad to hear you have an attorney who is trying to fight for you guys. And 
And I just thank you for sharing your story with us. Yeah. And thanks oh, for your service. Thank you all for having me. You know, you know, thank you all for having me. You know, I appreciate everything. You know, I just like to say one last thing. Okay. Yep. Uh, evil only wins when good people do not stand up. Okay. That's the only time evil can win. But I do believe now I have enough good people standing with me that the evil that's there is not going to win because the evil that, that was there doing everything they were doing, there were no good people standing with me. And now I have some people that are standing with me. And I do believe in time, things will change. Yeah. And I pray, I pray that we all can live together and not, you know, be where you're in fear and these things happening just because of your skin color, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Amen, brother. All right. Thank you. That's just sort of, that's sort of hard. So, yep. All, all right. Righty. We appreciate you. 